Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 83. Huge factors that disrupt a child's ability to just kind of be able to start to make adjustments is they are judged for it. People get angry and all that, mm. you know, emotion soaking piece gets in the way. When you have a lot of that, you're actually blocking your child's ability to improve. Unintentionally amplifying what's going on with them by your reaction to it. So if you move into a place of understanding, which is a huge part of my work, and you teach them, you, you problem solve, and you give them kind of little tips and tricks and little things they could use, then it becomes, oh, baby, okay, no, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with how you are. Why don't you try this, this, or this mm -hmm. to try to help yourself out? Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you are going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. I am Yakini. Today, my guest is Lafea. We are going to be talking about hypersensitivity. Um, I'm really interested in this topic because this is starting to come up quite a bit, at least in my community. And so this was a topic that I wanted to bring to you know everyone because there's a lot of questions around this in terms of what is hypersensitivity and you know how do we help our children deal with it. So I'm so excited to have her on. So hello. Hello, happy to be here. <laughs> so glad you're here. So thank you for coming. So please tell the audience a little bit about you. Okay, a little bit about me. My name is LaFea Mitchell. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been in the mental health field for over 20 years. It's absolutely insane. I can't believe how old I am. Uh, <laughs> but throughout the years, it's always been kind of meant for me to work with the hypersensitive population. Didn't know it at all. I just know that I started out in every population I've worked with. They've been in this realm of hypersensitivity, you know, what everybody calls neurodivergent or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's just been a variety of populations that I've had a chance to work with, whether it be like mood issues, anxiety issues, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder. What I found is there are a lot of similarities when it comes to the hypersensitivities that you know, those hypersensitive areas that they experience. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm sure you'll probably have me define my version of hypersensitivity. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that. Um, but that's just been my work for such a long time. It's been really easy work for me because it's natural because I'm hypersensitive myself. So I grew up very hypersensitive um, when my daughter, well, my son, both my son and daughter, but my daughter was much more sensitive, was born. She had all kinds of sensitivities that just threw things off for her and us. And it's just, it's just like, it's like my, it's like my life work. It's mm -hmm. like my real, this is like my real life and I'm sharing my life, you know, and what I've learned in my journey with everybody at this point. I love that. So you said you're hypersensitive, but do you also have ADHD or no. I've never been formally diagnosed with ADHD, but I'll tell you that I find myself very, I'll say that I'm very ADHD. -ish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Okay. And nobody, you guys don't get mad at me out there oh, yeah. for that. Okay. Right. Because like, seriously, when you're like in the psych world, you just find a little bit of everything in yourself. And then yeah. there's one that really settles in. <laughs> 
and I would say that ADHD, but you know, kind of a hybrid ADHD, a little bit of spe spectrum me because I've always been super, super quirky. Um, I feel like I have, you know, like I have a hybrid thing going on, but never, never a formal diagnosis. Very cool. All right. So let's jump into hypersensitivity. So please, you led a little bit to it, but please define what is hypersensitivity. Okay. Well, to me, hypersensitivity is like extreme sensitivity to stimuli that doesn't typically bother your neurotypical person as much as it does the person who's very hypersensitive. And I throw on top of that, so we're talking about, of course, the five senses, but I also throw on top of that my sixth element that I, that I tend to teach people about, which is that emotion soaking piece. So people, they acknowledge like with their impasse, you know, their strong ability to kind of soak in the emotions of other people. So I have this thing that I call emotion soaking for those who they aren't considered empaths. Like they, you know, they aren't, they don't seem very empathic at all, right? They go to the other side of it, which is please stay away from me. You're overloading me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so there needs to be an explanation for that for that particular phenomenon for them as well. So that's what I call emotion soaking, the unintentional sponging of the feeling energies of, of everybody, of those mm -hmm. around us, right? And I would say, take it even further you know i say those around the world because right now it's being felt even more strongly because there's like a worldwide pandemic yeah. of anxiety going on right. so those who were hypersensitive who are hypersensitive strong emotion soakers like a lot of us are having an extremely hard time at this point in life like even more so than ever in life before Mm, that is powerful. So what are some of those signs that you see? Like, how can you tell if a person is hypersensitive or if your children are hypersensitive? Okay, well, just having like extreme sensitivity to where other people are not understanding people uh, treat you as if there's something wrong with you. So like, you know, you can't stand loud sounds or being in crowds or, you know, or certain things, you know, really cause an ex what people call an exaggerated response. I have to be careful with that. Because when I write it, you know, it can hurt a person's feelings because I can put yeah. down exaggerated, but I don't mean exaggerated. Like I, I think it's exaggerated. Other people tend to. So the dog barks and that kind of drives you nuts. You know, when your kids are running around too much, that might drive you nuts, you know? And for kids, it could be like for my daughter, it was just cars passing by, like sounds mm -hmm. that wouldn't usually bother people really bother her. Smells can bother you more than they do others. Like you're just extra sensitive. You're having a really hard time when everybody else is like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see all that, right? It's it's all of that stuff that makes me that makes us kind of know or helps people to know that they're dealing with a hypersensitive individual. And is it really connected? Because you said there's a sixth sense, the emotional piece. So is it really connected to all the senses? Okay, so yes, it's connected to all the senses. And the stronger the uh, the level of emotion mm -hmm. soaking that mm -hmm. that's sponging off other people's inner feeling energies, mm -hmm. the more susceptible you are to the other mm -hmm. sensitivities. Mm. So it becomes more amplified, like your sensitivity to even smell everything can be with stress, with the stress, especially of other people's energies can, can cause an uptick in your sensitivity to those other stimuli. Oh, I never knew that. You know, I, I think about my son and so the pieces that he's very sensitive to is sound, like you said, I mean, um, I remember us going to um, what is it called? It's it's not the cowboy one. It was a pirate show, 
and it was really loud inside and he was just covering his ears. Uh, we took him to, uh, not, um, my family took him to the monster truck show and you thought he was gonna have a panic attack. And just like noise, like you said, just like a car passing or, you know, cause I used to live in the neighborhood where everything was just loud all of that he would just cringe and close his ears and say it was just too loud he also had um the same thing with sight and then um and then i, I don't want to say separately he's also my emotional being right so i always wonder if those things are tied together now that you're talking about it you know is he more prone to it just because he's such and he even now at 11 almost 11 years old says i'm just too emotional him and i i'm like no you're <laughs> you're fine you're fine right so right. how do you know those things are really tied together well because in all the work that i've been doing for all these years first that was one of the first things i was able to identify in the kids that i was working with first mm -hmm. and foremost so so it was with my level okay because we try to as practitioners kind of come as a blank slate or i used to i don't even try anymore um and you know always present because it was it was harming the kids and mm. always present as if we have all of our stuff together all the time like we never have an emotion about anything and um, the truth was i was having a hard time at a certain point in my life uh previously and this kid when i was having a good day we had everything was so much easier his sensitivities were less you know, and all that. But if I was having a bad day, a tumultuous day, I would not be showing it on the outside, try to show the same professional, same tones, you know, mm, all that kind mm. of stuff. And this kid was going nuts, right? With every every other stimuli. And so that's when I, that was when I first picked up on it. But through the years, just working with the kids, I, I've always noticed that with, with the increase in anxiety level of the parents or whomever it is that they're around, or even for them, if their anxiety levels are higher already, then their sensitivities are so much more. Mm. And I'm, I'm gonna use the word exaggerated, but you guys, I don't mean it in that bad way where you should judge mm. it, okay? So much more amplified is a better word, gotcha. okay? And so this is why a lot of parents, they're like, well, why could you handle certain things, right? There could be certain sounds that maybe is not as upsetting to a kid right. when they're having a good day, right? But if they're having an off, if they're already feeling emotionally off or somebody else is emotionally off, you'll okay. notice they'll have higher sensitivity. People are like, why did that, why is it bother you so much right now? Like this seems like manipulation. It doesn't bother you that much, right? But that's where that comes from. Oh, that is really interesting. Um, so we're going to really dig into tying it to ADHD because that's one of the things that I always thought that it was only connected to. Um, so how do you know it is well, how can ADHD be tied to hypersensitivity? I know you said there might be some similarities and is it really ADHD? Is it hypersensitivity? Is it both? Like how do, again, how do you know the difference? Okay, so most often when you when you are diagnosed with ADHD, okay, then you're hypersensitive. So uh, I would, I would and people, like I said, people don't kill me, but, but I would venture to say that anybody with a diagnosis where there's dysregulation in emotion, emotional regulation, behavioral, you know, issues and those kind of struggles like that, I would venture to say that they are all hypersensitive, they are all hypersensitive to a certain degree. Okay? okay. So I would not call, I would not make hypersensitivity a diagnosis in and of itself. Well, how can I say this? I person I, I would say that 
it would be an accentuating factor okay. because not all neurodivergent people are created equal, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so the level of sensitivity, it really, there really is a spectrum of the level of sensitivity. So I would say it would be something like a pay attention to how it enhances the experience of the person. I see. Right. So that you can, so that you can work with them accordingly, or you kind of, you know, as parents work with them accordingly as, you know, as teachers or whatever, work with them accordingly so that you don't try to put them into this little cookie cutter. You know, this is, oh, okay. This is what ADHD, this is a huge mistake. This is why I want people to understand hypersensitivity, a huge mistake that they, that people make at home all the time. They don't mean to schools make all the time law enforcement makes all the time is they they act like when you, a person has a certain disorder which i hate that word certain disorder that that you know it's all supposed to look the same so a right. person could mm -hmm. easily have an adhd diagnosis it shows up differently than what they believe it looks like right. which is for most women they don't they end up either never getting diagnosed getting diagnosed late in life right right mm -hmm. all these things so it doesn't show up the way they think that it should so they discount the experiences of that person, right? And then they also, for the same thing for, you know, a lot of different other disorders. And um, and so it's just time now to understand that there are different levels of hypersensitivity. If you understand hypersensitivity better, then people will stop being as mistreated as they are for having amplified or, you know, higher, you know, more symptomology. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how do you work with children? So like, you know, I mentioned my son and, um, you know, over time, he has gotten better when it came to sound. It was really when he was younger that it was just so much. And it wasn't like when he was one or two. I mean, this was up to probably about five, six years old. So now he recognizes the sound, but it doesn't make him cringe like it used to, but he's loud. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. Like he talks very, very loud. Very and, common. <laughs> and you're like, I'm like, honey, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm standing right next to you. Maybe so, you're at an eight. I'm gonna need you to move, move to that, you know, that five-ish. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. Library boys, library. Anyways. <laughs> but anyways, how do you help your children no matter what the situation is? How can you help them work through those situations? Okay, now well, one piece is this. And I think some people feel like kids should grow out, grow out of certain things, <laughs> right? But it sounds like if he's been showing improvement and now, you know, with age, then it sounds like you are very understanding mm -hmm. about what goes on with him. One of the, the biggest, the huge factors that disrupt a child's ability to just kind of be able to start to make adjustments is that they are judged for it. People treat them as if there's something wrong with it and people get angry and all that, mm. you know, emotion soaking piece gets in the way. So people, you know, when you have a lot of that, you're actually blocking your child's ability to improve. You're actually taking and not unintentionally, okay, mm -hmm. unintentionally amplifying what's going on with them by your reaction to it, right? So if you move into a place of understanding, which is that's, that's a huge part of my work. If you move into a place of understanding and you teach them, you, you problem solve and you give them kind of little tips and tricks and little things they could use, then it becomes, oh, baby, OK, no, you know, it's, there's there's nothing wrong with how you are. Just understand that you have a sensitivity in this area. Why don't you try this, this mm -hmm. or this? Mm -hmm. Right. To try to help yourself out. Right. So same with my daughter. It was terrible when she was a baby. She had no language. She could not explain. She could not describe what was going on for her. But the older she got. 
the more I was able to, I was able to teach her how to de describe it. And sometimes it was just through her actions. So at two, she had command of some language, but you know, <laughs> right. not the greatest, right? So I taught her for sounds because she would cringe and scream with every siren or car that passed mm -hmm. by too fast or whatever. I taught her to jump, cover her ears because she automatically jumped. It was a visceral response. Mm -hmm. Cover her ears and say, I don't like that, right? That was our first step. And then from there, as she got older, she was able to figure out some things on her own. She told me, I didn't even know that she had a sensitivity to toilet flushing. Yes. She told me, she said, she, I was too. writing, I was, I, I found out because I was writing a blog. I think she was about 15. She's 17 now. I was writing a blog and she was like, she was looking over my shoulder and she's like, oh, is that why I, you know, she was explaining, oh, is that why I hate this? I said, you hate the sound of toilet flush? She said, yeah. I just reach in. She luckily I have really long arms. So I reach in and flush it. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> but uh, th that would not be the case if she would just be like one of those kids who don't flush, yeah. you know, if you have a kid out there, by the way, who kind of seems like it's just, they conveniently always forget the flesh forever. You know, there may be a sensitivity in there. I'm just throwing that out there, but uh, <laughs> you know, and so, and it's, and so, and as opposed to getting mad at them and calling them lazy for not flushing and things like that, try to flesh out, you know, the reason why. Flesh <laughs> <Right>? out. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I can't help you. I I love that. Okay, so um, it's so funny you're saying this because literally just the other day, somebody asked me about that and I totally forgot about the flushing piece. They asked me about how can I get my child to flush and, you know, wash their hands as soon as they, you know, before they walk out the door. And so I was giving them some things that we did, but I forgot about the sound because it, especially when we are in a public restroom, our toilet isn't as loud as that public restroom, right? It's like, cause it's flushing really fast and it's going down really fast. So there's a lot of pressure and that used, to, like he would scream. So that's, I didn't even think about that. So I have to mention that too. Yeah, sensory issues. Sometimes there's, sens there's sensory issues could be with a variety of things. Sensory issues, there could be sensory issues around running water. Like there's a reason sometimes kids that don't like showers and that kind of thing is because they don't like the way the water falls on them and they can't explain it you know, to people, or they try to explain it and people just kind of, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So some, we always never discount. I mean, I'm not trying to make everything, okay, guys, about a sensory issue, but mm -hmm. if it is about a sense, at least tease out what could potentially be going on so that you can properly help your kid problem solve in a validating way, because invalidating their experiences, that does not help you out much, <laughs> you know, in yeah. moving them in the right direction. Love that. Okay. So is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Any other tips or thoughts that we may have missed? Oh my goodness, I have a million tips and thoughts. <laughs> Three. <Which> <laughs> no, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I think that just primarily what I want you guys to understand about at least some of what, what I do teach and there, you know, you do have access to like free resources and stuff. So I have like a YouTube channel out there teaching on a lot of different stuff, how to deal with various sensitivities, how to deal with meltdown behaviors, you know, all those kind of things. Right. And, and doing it in a proper way where you're, you're really starting to consider your kid because the last thing you want to do is discount their experience invalidate you know invalidate them as people right and then expect that they should have you know high self-esteem 
and be able to perform well in life, be able to function well in life. We have to understand that we have to meet them where they are, understand who they are, understand what impacts them and help them to be their best them within, you know, their best them. Like that's right. the, only, the best way I can say it is not, don't expect for them to be someone else, you, whomever, their brother, sister, whomever else out there, let them be who they are and learn how to function within that, you know, and make mm-hmm. it okay. Mm-hmm. That's just primarily, and, and I do that and I teach that in so many different ways and I break down four, you know, give four steps for people to use to kind of have the best, you know, best impact, you know, have be the most efficiently effective <laughs> You know, mm-hmm, with your kids mm-hmm. with challenges, you know, and I always tell people to make sure you follow them because when you do, you get much better results. And one thing I noticed that you did not say is we're avoiding the situation, right? We're really helping them work through their situations because there's, for example, I mean, we again can talk about any sensory, but there are smells everywhere, there are noise everywhere. So it's about helping them work through it, not avoiding. Right. 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 No, we're not. We're not trying to teach that at all. It is yeah. just so important because I always tell people if you could think about having an experience yourself in an exaggerated way, like like it, to try to understand their sensitivities to taste. Right. Maybe imagine what you would feel like if somebody poured a whole box of salt into your food and then you tried to eat it. Yeah. You know, imagine it that way, because that's the cringeworthy experience that they're having. When we talk about those, you know, issues with sound, then maybe if you hate the sound of people scratching chalkboards, for example, Mm -hmm. imagine that that be the sound that they're experiencing so that you can actually connect. Because if it's a dog barking and they're cringing, you're like, what's wrong with you? Right. This doesn't affect people. But if you think about it in a way that you can connect with, then all of a sudden you can really put yourself in their shoes. Right. As Mm -hmm. having their own experience. Yeah, that makes sense. So is there any resources you had mentioned? So some of the resources that you talked about, can you be specific in terms of your YouTube channel or any other resources that they can find out there about this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So guys, if you go to lafayetteway.com, okay, I I love giving resources to parents because (laughs) I I love support. Like I love support myself, (laughs) right? And I love to teach because the more I teach, the more I learn, right? Mm -hmm. So the YouTube channel is easy. Everything's lafayetteway. So it's youtube.com slash lafayetteway. Right. If you want to, if you don't want, if you don't want to like have to try to search, remember everything I'm telling you right now, just go to lafayetteway.com. It'll direct you to all the resources, by the way, <laughs> you know, and I also have, I have a parent community. I have a Facebook community, safe Facebook community, small group, because I have to make sure that I keep track, you know, that I monitor and make sure that everybody's being encouraging and positive and all that. Um, the last thing parents need is another person judging them. So I try to keep things very positive and I am really strict with those rules. So, you know, if you have something nasty to say, don't come there. Um, but so, but I have a free access to a free Facebook community where you can come in, ask your questions. I have parents who are like super freaking fairway masters at this point, right? Nice. <laughs> so I've been, I've been teaching my little my philosophy to parents for years. And not only do you have access to me, who, you know, I'm, a, I'm seriously, guys, I'm a wealth of knowledge. I don't know. It's the gift. Um, but I've been teaching this to other people who will also come in looking to support you and answer your questions even faster than I'll get to them. And I'll get to the, you know, to their answers like, oh, I couldn't have said it better myself, you know, and things like that. But you have that kind of support there. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, I have my PEP community, Parents Empowering Parents. So that's a class, 12-week class that I do that I do with parents. And it, it just changes lives. By the time they get 
I have parents who are super exhausted and they're like, I don't see how any of this is going to work. Nothing else has ever worked. Oh my God. You know, I get all that, right? First, and first day and people hate me because I'm always like, just think later it's okay and you know it's gonna be okay we're gonna bring the light back the hope back <laughs> you know so but after we get into about that sixth week they're pepped up and they know what they're knowing what they need to do they're knowing the, the concept how they need to function like and not just like what to say how to say it but how to be right yeah. you want to be, bring yes. more of the parent that you truly mean to be yes. to the situation so i'm bringing that out of you so that you can bring your your best parent out of you so you can bring your best kid out of them right yeah. and so but so i have my pet program you can find that on lafayette.com but everything you can find there i've given out there's been so much education and information that i put out that you know if you don't find it on lafayette.com you just you 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 didn't you didn't go to lafayette.com <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. My books are there. Everything. I've written three parent parenting books. Um, so everything's there for you. That is awesome. I'm so excited. That is awesome, Lafayette. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. Oh, oh wait. Okay. Oh, Announcement. Good. Announcement. Sure. I am having a pet. I'm um I'm officially starting up launching my my pet program, Parents Empowering Parents, for parents, specifically parents of children who are diagnosed with ADHD. So now parents out there with children who are diagnosed, you know, they don't have to be diagnosed. You just, sometimes we know, we know yeah. the symptomology. Sometimes yeah. we don't get the formal diagnosis. So you don't have to have a diagnosis, but if you have the symptoms in there, then come out, come learn. And it's not just for your kids, it's for you too. You're going to learn how to manage yourself too, because honestly, most parents who have kids diagnosed with ADHD, they're either have a little bit of it themselves or a lot of bit of it, you know, have whichever one you want to admit to. <laughs> You know, they tend to have the same sensitivities very or similar. And when will this start or is it already out? Um, I'm launching. It's April. We'll see. I'm trying to go. I remember when I can look at the paper. April 16th. <laughs> April 16th. I wrote it down so I didn't forget. And if you want to try to find, if you want to find that, it's lafayaway.com slash P-E-P dash A-D-H-D. Or just go to lafayaway.com and find, you know, the services. <laughs> okay. Now, if somebody hears this April, um, after April 16th, is it going to be videos out there or like recordings or are these recordings? Um, I do. Um, I'll, okay. So it's both. So for those who can't make it, then we record each live session, right? Okay. So you at least get, you get access to, because the most important piece is that parenting, parents empowering parents, you need to hear from other parents, what their experiences yes. are. They need to hear from you. There's a, there's superpower in that, right? Coming together, you know, seriously, you can't beat it. But yeah, so it's live, it's the live classes. I run every 12 weeks and I tend to stagger. So I tend to have two classes going at a time. So if you miss April 16th, then you can hop in and it's one that are, that will be coming up maybe uh, somewhere between two to three weeks later, you know, and we'll get started. But it won't have that specific, you know, unless I get, you know, when I, if I get a large response, then of course I'll run them specifically for the parents with children, you know, with ADHD. Um, you know, as long as you guys, as long as there is demand, I'll gotcha. stay specific. But for that particular one, April 16th, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for the ADHD years now. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, everyone, that closes up another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review. 
and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.